This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome back, all of you beautiful people, to Spicier Than Therapy. This is season three of the podcast where we discuss polyamory, ethical non-monogamy, communication, neurodiversity, kink, and all of the wonderful things that we think go into establishing and maintaining a healthy, loving relationship. Hey, twin, what are we going to do today? The same thing we do every day, my love. Try to take over the interwebs. Hell fucking yes, we are. And this is season three. So we are going to be absolutely dominating the interwebs on this entire season. And we are going to do so by starting it off with a very, very special guest this week. That's right. The one and only Kate Osborne, who you may better know as Katie Asaurus, yeah. is, <laughs> is joining us this week. From TikTok to Twitch to YouTube, Kate, or Katie Asaurus, is a certified sex educator and full-time content creator known for her frank conversations about living life with ADHD, depression, and chronic pain. After gaining almost 2 million followers in just under a year, she's been featured in and on major publications like Cosmopolitan Magazine and The Today Show, as well as in countless podcasts and various convention panels. Her advocacy work has opened the door for content creators and consumers across the internet to have an open, honest dialogue about what it means to be chronically ill and kinky. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today with us, Kate. We are super, super excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Lovely, lovely. And we talk so much on our podcast about kink and polyamory and neurodiversity and there's so many like overlapping areas of those different worlds into our world and so we thought it would be really awesome to have another creator who also <laughs> talks about those things i do on, to give us your perspective because <laughs> like i feel like people might occasionally get tired of us talking about them and like hey this is a really great perspective but we want to hear other perspectives so we're happy to have you here sharing your perspective well, thanks. I'm excited to pers perspect. That's the that's the scientific word for it. So totally, the silliest thing I've ever said. It's <laughs> edit that part out. <laughs> it's standing. <laughs> that's fine. We do that actually a lot. Where I will start miss saying something, and I'm like, oh, we'll edit it in post. And twins like, nope, nope, leaving that no, one in. It's just, just everyone just must know your shame it's fine of course of course we all can't yeah. be polished 100 percent of the time that would know, be really right? well i mean yeah. hell that was like one of the episodes i listened to you guys not too long ago where eric got the phone call in the podcast oh yeah that it happens. was hilarious <laughs> i was just cackling because i was like this is absolutely something cheer and i would do yeah it's we try really hard to remember actually now i'm panicking but seeing is my alarm gonna go off at like <laughs> noon and everybody's gonna know the life of luxury i leave <laughs> 
no, it's for taking my dog out. So, because we're uh, trying to keep her on like a schedule, but I always like, I put like phone alarms because otherwise I have the ADHD and I'm going to lose track of time. So, I had to share some of my like, like my medication alarm. I had to share it with him because I, I'm one of those like, I see the, when I see the things so often, I'm just like, okay, well, that's irrelevant. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I feel your pain. Um, okay, so to get into today's episode, because we're already squirreling, um, <laughs> it's going to happen. So to get into today's episode, we're going to be covering just overall, like the discussion around poly and kink and social media. But Kate, I know for our TikTok audience, most of them are very familiar with you. Um, but for those who aren't, Kate, you really kind of popped off on TikTok with your, you know, satirical uh, video that you made about like things in my ADHD home that make sense. <laughs> um, and I just was interested in understanding more about like how... Like, we know that that's why you popped off, but then you started getting into kink and poly. Like, how it, do you think your flavor of neurodiversity sort of affected or contributed to you being both polyamorous and kinky? Oh, gosh. Um, I thought you were going to ask, why did I make that content? And I had an answer prepared, and that was good. And then you Shyamalan twisted it. I was like, oh, no, surprise, ending. Um, I mean, you can do both if you want. Well, I mean, the real answer for the content is spite because nobody else was talking about it um, in a way that I felt like was really addressing like neurodivergency and, and that kind of thing. So that's that's an easy answer is spite. Um, but for me, I'm always really careful when I answer questions about why are you poly? Um, because I think Polly is, it lives in kind of like a very interesting gray area where some people will say that it is an identity, you know, the same way that you might be bisexual, you know, you're Polly. Um, and other people say that you can't be that because it is, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, everybody has to be on board with and you have to like discuss and negotiate and that kind of thing. Um, and honestly, I don't know where I fall in the argument like i've thought i've thought a lot about it um but for me i think kink makes a lot more sense in conversation with my neurodivergency um but i think being poly for me is less about my neurodivergency and more about how i see the world and think about relationships if that makes sense because like if we if we divide them in two kink is stimulation it is dopamine it is serotonin it is you know it's like an additional sort of like stimulus make things interesting spice things up turn my brain off turn my brain on like that kind of thing that works really really well with my adhd and my depression um whereas poly i remember even as a kid not understanding marriage like not like fundamentally not understanding why you would ever want to get married you know and i was like i was grew up you know little girl i had my barbie dolls and my like ken doll you know and stuff and it's like oh you know the mommy and the daddy you know and i was always like but there's so many interesting people in the world there's so many interesting people you know like why why does everybody think that there is like only one person in the whole world 
that can make you happy and it's their job to like make you happy you know and then i used to get really worried about statistics which i think was the undiagnosed autism i used to worry a lot because i was like well there's like seven billion people in the world statistically the likelihood of my meeting that soulmate like the one person that's really low like they could be living somewhere really far away and i would get really stressed out about it yeah um but i think i think that's it is that i think for me poly is is less about neurodiversity and more just about the fact that i like people and i like knowing people and i get i like getting to know them richly and greatly and intimately and you know in all of the ways that i think being poly allows you to um and yeah neuro, and and then kink is just about sometimes i get bored during sex so we had to find a solution <laughs> that absolutely tracks yeah because i'm i'm very similar in that like i you know i remember having a conversation with my therapist forever ago and i've, I've spoken about this on the podcast so we can trim this down <laughs> but I've spoken with my therapist in the past about she was asking about poly. Do I think of it as an orientation or something else? And I was like, I don't really know. Like it feels like an orientation, but it doesn't. Yeah. Cause like I've, I mean, I, I we were at Dragon Con because of ElfQuest, right? This comic book series that has a prominent theme of polyamory in like the relationships and the characters. Mm -hmm. And it's not a thing. It's not like a character asset. It's just they just are. Yeah. And like growing up, very similar to you, like why would I? Why would I just have one person? What do you? What do yeah. you mean that like, you? Wait, yeah, you have more than one friend, right? Like, right. Exactly. And for me, like that was a big part of like realizing I was queer. Was like, wait, you you aren't attracted to all the parts like that was that was how i realized like i realized other people weren't equal opportunists and that was weird to me so <laughs> like i had sort of the backwards initiation to all of that so um so on that note then like do you i mean i know that neurodivergent like one of the, the hallmark characteristics of neurodiversity it tends to be that sort of like oversharing and like the um the inability to really hold shallow conversations or what we feel are shallow conversations so do you think that's maybe contributed to how you build those relationships specifically within the poly sphere oh gosh that's such a good question maybe I'm like, I'm really good at parties. This is like, I, this is, I, this is going to sound like a weird answer, but I promise I'm going to bring it back around at the end. Um, I like, I'm great at parties. I'm amazing at parties. I do this thing at parties that I have named Mrs. Mazeling, which is where I'll be telling a story. And then, you know, I'm telling it to one person. And then I look up and I'm telling it to eight and then 10. And then the entire party is like listening to me, like do this thing. And that's always been kind of a reality of my life is I've had a lot of, I have a lot of weird stories and I'm good at telling them. Um, Pickle theater kid. But what I realized, yeah, right. Like just ex theater kid problems. Um, but what I realized very, like actually way more recently than is probably like healthy to admit um, I realized that that was my masking. That was my defense mechanism. That was my 
deep uncomfortability, that's not even a word, um, at being in social situations, at being at parties, whatever. Um, and so like, for me, I think like the, the oversharing thing and the, the wanting to meet people on their level, like that's, that's something that I deeply need, but because for so long, I didn't understand like what was going on with my brain, not, you know, didn't understand what was going on with just like me as a human. Um, I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how to like have those conversations because, you know, you meet like a, you know, just like your average neurotypical person. And they're like, yeah, have you seen a movie lately? And I'm like, let's talk about the history of cinema. You know, like it's, it's two very different perspectives. Um, and so for me, like meeting people became a big part of my identity, like how I meet people, how good I am at meeting people. Like I, I put a lot of value and a lot of weight into like being the best at parties, being the best at, you know, telling the story or like whatever. So, you know, like got to win the party. Um, but what I realized was that that was not me honoring my needs. That was not me honoring that like desire that I have to like get to know people and like delve and talk about our special interests and like, you know, and our passions and that kind of thing. Um, and so, yeah, so I feel like I kind of got to it backwards where, you know what I mean? I don't know. I feel like I like had like a point and then I like lost it somewhere along no, the way. No, no. I'm just going to trail off. I that absolutely makes sense because I like you know like most neurotypicals before we realized that this is very unhealthy to do like I spent most of my 20s like similarly to you I was not diagnosed until I was turning 29 like mm -hmm. literally the month I turned 29 um and so I spent most of my early 20s as a bartender at a high intent like I worked for Coyote Ugly for years and my whole thing was a very like Deadpool meet cute esque sort of like, oh yeah, here, let me trauma dump on you and then make it funny. Like, you know, and it was yeah. just one of those, like, I, so I completely understand about like the whole, you know, needing to be cool and like being over the top. Like that was absolutely the same thing that I did. Yeah. And I think there's a performative aspect to masking, specifically in the example that you gave, Kate. And, you know, she, uh, Twin was kind of ripping me and giving me shit in the background while you were talking because she's like, you do that. And I know I do that. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's because different aspects of social media, specifically TikTok, are performative in nature. It almost sometimes feel like sometimes feels like falling back into that aspect of masking because people expect a specific thing out of you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to gaze into the middle distance on that one and not expound. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you've kind of become like a leading voice in that category. Cause like Twin and I met, we, you know, I don't think we've actually told you this story, but like it's our very first episode. We met on TikTok more than a year ago. So that's actually how we met. It was a super cute story. They should make a movie about it. But um, her content was more around polyamory and neurodiversity and mine was more around kink. And then we started talking and realized we have a lot of overlap in these areas, but it is very difficult once you get kind of pigeonholed into a specific topic or subject or niche on TikTok to talk about anything else because everybody just wants you to talk about the thing. Yeah. 
That is that is a true, true statement. <laughs> I mean, here we are interviewing you about the thing. <laughs> it's well, actually, it's really funny that you say that because like I really haven't made that much content about being poly. Like being poly is a part of me, it is a part of my life, it's part of my identity. Um, but like I've only, you know, I'm very open about it. Like I, I don't hide it at all but i don't make content about it really like i've made a couple of videos like yeah hey like if you're confused this is chris and this is eric good good talk you know um but like i i don't make a lot of that content and so i thought it was really interesting when you guys reached out because it was like oh well what i found is that you know especially on a platform like tiktok the content that is going to resound with you is what finds its way to you and so like i have people who have no idea that I play D&D because they never see my D&D content. They only ever see my kink content or, you know, people who have no idea that I'm kinky because they only ever see my D&D content. Um, and so I always think that's really funny is, is that there's this weird duality that happens with content, especially on TikTok where you're like, you're, you're only talking about the one thing, but you know, when you, when you go outside of that, you know, like little fence, it's like, who is going to get the content? Like, who's going to who's gonna see it? Who's going to find out? And it's always like, oh, 0.0001% of your audience, because how dare you stray from talking about your, your niche? We'll see. And like, you end up for me on like hitting several points um, because former theater kid, also in D also interested in D&D, like, and Polly and King. So like, I see your content pretty consistently. And that was actually one of the reasons why when we first started doing this podcast, one, because I was inspired by you and Eric, I wanted to have you on like from the job. I was like, I need to, you know, thank them personally kind of thing. Right. But also because recently, and that's, that's, this is what gave me the idea to have this conversation. I saw the video where you were talking about your frustrations at being verified on TikTok. And we'll, we'll get more into that here in a minute, but like, I'm curious. <laughs> oh, look, I can go for days, write a whole dissertation. <laughs> um, I'm curious, like, how did you even decide to start integrating the poly and kink stuff? And like, how did you decide to educate? Because again, like I initially saw you because of the ADHD things in my house kind of content. And I was like, oh, this person seems awesome. I want to get coffee with them. And like, and then you like more and more things came up and I'm like, oh yes, 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 yes. Like, so yeah. how did you decide to start integrating these things into your content and also kind of like, do you regret it a little bit? Yeah. Um, I mean, so it's two separate things, right? Because there's, there's like my relationships, there's the, the sort of just like fact statement that I am poly. Um, and then there's like the kink and kink education stuff. Um, and the kink and the kink education stuff is, is, is I, I think they're both like quick answers. Um, but basically one of the things that I've always really struggled with is my relationship to sex and sexuality and like what that looks like for me and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and so when I started talking about ADHD, one of the first things that I found almost completely by accident was a study about people with ADHD and how sex and intimacy can be affected by, you know, neurodivergency. And I never heard anybody talk about that. I never heard anybody talk about that or, or say anything about it. or I had no idea. And so I started reading about it. Um, and what I realized was like, there's a lot of 
conversation about it, but it's all at the individual level. There's like maybe a handful of like studies, like published studies that exist about it. Everything else is coming from like, you know, Reddit discussion threads and Tumblr memes and like that kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, well, there's like a, there's a need here. There's a need for people to know that your, you know, intimacy and sex can be affected by neurodivergency. But then I started thinking about my own life and I started thinking about, you know, my experiences as sort of a kinky person and how many times stuff had just gone wrong. How many times I had, you know, impulse decisioned into some very unsafe stuff or how many times, you know, time blindness had affected me or how many times rejection sensitivity had affected me. And I started kind of thinking about it and I was like, and I looked, I looked for a long time and I was like, there's really not a lot of conversation about neurodivergency and kink. And especially around things like negotiations and boundaries and consent, like especially around consent, I got, I was really frustrated because like 99.999% of the time, the conversation about consent and negotiation and boundaries is framed under the impression or the expectation that everybody in the conversation is neurotypical. Nobody is struggling with memory issues or time blindness or rejection sensitivity or even just trauma like outside of neurodivergency. And I was like, we got to have a conversation as ADHD folks. Like I like, you know, and I would get a lot of questions. Like when I started talking about sex, um, I would get a lot of questions from people being like, I'm kinky. I really want to be a dom, but I don't feel like I'm allowed to because of my ADHD. And I don't feel like I can responsibly like top and I, and I, I don't know what to do. Um, and so I was like, well, fuck it. I'll talk about it. <laughs> um, and then the poly thing, I don't know. This is going to sound like a little bit of a dismissive answer. Um, but I was like, well, mommy bloggers are allowed to talk about their family. And my family just happens to have two partners. And for me, that's just the reality that I live in, you know, and nobody blinks twice or, you know, gets asked to be on a podcast when you're a mommy blogger. Like, oh, so you talked about your husband. I'm like, yeah, I just I have two partners, you know. And so, like, for me, it's just I just wanted to be open. I just wanted to be honest and, and show that poly is much more normal and much more ubiquitous than I think people know about. Um and just sort of like represent like a very non-spicy version of poly, you know, like it's not salacious. It's not, you know, like, oh, I'm talking about, you know, getting getting laid all the time. It's like, no, I just I love two people. This yeah, we just cool. happen to be poly, not we are poly. Look, yeah. Yeah, like, it's like it's it's just, you know, it's for me, it's just so part of like who I am and, and my life and my identity that it it just it didn't make sense to not at least acknowledge it you know because I was like this is just who we are and uh, I'm not gonna I'm not going to ascribe shame or embarrassment to something that there is no reason to have shame or embarrassment about you know Right. And I will say anecdotally it seems there's a lot more radical transparency from people in both the poly and kink world than you would find in a lot of, you know, um, what I like to call vanilla spaces where, you know, those conversations aren't had as openly and honestly. And so we talk a lot about like contextual communication 
on the podcast and in a lot of our videos. And just, you know, we see all of these people coming from these different walks of life and coming from these different lifestyles. And specifically the people that are polyamorous or that do, you know, play a part in the kink lifestyle are a lot more open and ready to talk about it in a healthy way than I think more than I think most people realize. And so yeah. even to your previous point about there not really being anybody discussing neurodivergence within kink, you know, I've, I've been in the kink world for like 18 years and been a dom for 11. And the only times I would ever hear it discussed were amongst doms when, you know, you were mentoring or, you know, you were doing some sort of, you know, growth and education to try to learn how to best respond to certain people with special needs, whether or not you were a pro dom, just in, you know, 24 seven dynamics, but you never heard it. I, at least I never heard it talked about outside of those confines of just kind of like educational fact-finding discussions with other doms. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> well, I mean, and a lot of that comes down to, you know, like we touched on earlier, it is hard to have these conversations in a public sphere at all. Even if you are educating, even if you are like not at all making it a spicy thing and you're just trying to have a conversation because like what's been happening to you, you got slated by TikTok as a spicy content creator, and now you can't get verified. Meanwhile, Instagram tattoo models like Heidi Levine, you know, nothing against her, obviously, but she's, do she's, she's doing her thing. But like, she's an Instagram tattoo model who can seemingly post whatever she wants and she's verified. And she, like, I directly made a video responding to something she's done where she's in like a sheer gown and I've been it fully covered and had stuff removed. So like what, I mean, we could go all day. Like what's been your biggest struggle with like being labeled as a spicy content creator who isn't necessarily spicy? I think it's the frustration of, I mean, it's a dual thing. It's, it's one, it's, it's that, you know, I have poured at this point, literally years of my life into making this content and becoming a content creator. And, and I found something that I'm passionate and excited about and I care about. And frankly, like I, I get to help people too, you know, and that's, that's really, really cool for me is like, I get to help people for my job. Um, but I have to fight to do it. You know, I have to fight to do it in this bizarre and roundabout and backwards way that involves, you know, like talking in code and having like fun words for, and, and not even about sex, but even just things like autism or neurodivergency. Like we know those hashtags get suppressed, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, every time I speak out about it, it's also just like, I know for a fact that TikTok punishes people if you speak out against them. Like they, like that is, that's a thing. That's a oh, thing. Absolutely. Um, um, and so I get frustrated because it's like, okay, so do you value your creators? And if you do, you know, if you are this organization claiming to value your creators and, and oh, the TikTok community and all blah, 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 then it's like, well, then that community needs to represent everybody. And 
allowing Nazis and transphobes and racists and bigots on your app to speak freely and meet people and find other like-minded people, then sorry, if that's allowed, then it should be just as easy for me to go on and say, hey, you know what? Kink safety is important. Keeping yourself safe as a person with a neurodivergency is important. Having conversations about consent could be important. And it is infuriating that people who are educators who are talking about these deeply important topics are getting punished, are getting suppressed, are getting their videos taken down for like nonsense reasons where like really truly bad people are allowed to thrive because of there's, there's, I guess, less of a stigma against being a racist than there is against kink. And that is deeply frustrating to me. Right. Well, and a lot of it comes down to the whole thing of like FOSTA-SESTA, right? Which if you are not aware, FOSTA-SESTA is some legislation that was passed, I forget how many years ago now, um, that essentially it was, it was supposed to be to protect against human trafficking. Unfortunately, the way it was written criminalizes all or at the very least makes it real hard for companies to allow for any sort of salacious sex work related um internet traffic and that's where you get these things like wells fargo closing accounts um twitter even upgrade like updating recently with like making their stuff more PG friendly or making motions that they're going to, that's where you get stuff like TikTok silencing sex workers repeatedly and target like in a targeted pattern. Like for instance, um, if you're one of my followers, you probably know this already. I'm still banned from going live, even though my live access was restored. Yeah. Meanwhile, I was getting harassed by somebody who had, like you were mentioning, racist, anti-vax, transphobic, like straight up, like religious extremist rhetoric on his page, like all over his page. And I went through, because I'm a petty bitch, I went through and reported every single one of the videos that was even remotely problematic. Not a single one got taken down. His account's still up. He still harasses me from time to time. And I have all of these issues and it, yeah. and this is, you know, it goes across the board of all the sex workers and it's, you know, it's just so frustrating because even if you aren't a sex worker, even if you are just an educator, you're still met with these same kinds of roadblocks. And it's frustrating for those of us who are trying to educate because especially like in your case, Katie or Kate, sorry, you're more specifically trying to educate on how to live with a disability in a healthy way, how to function in a healthy way as someone with a disability. And that scene is more problematic than constant harassment, pedophilia, and a bunch of other bullshit that is rampant on TikTok. Yeah. It's it's really frustrating. And I mean, the real truth is like I I mean, it's one of the reasons why I'm I'm actively working towards getting off of TikTok and, and moving a lot of my content. Um, because like the it's so funny to me, like the difference 
between educating on TikTok and educating on YouTube is night and day. I mean, first off, you have an infinite amount of time on YouTube. So like, that's just like bananas anyway. I'm just like, I, oh, I don't have to fit this all into a minute. I can have nuance and specificity. Um, but you know, it's like, it's hilarious to me because it's like on TikTok, you know, I'll be fully clothed and I'll say the word kink and, and it will get, you know, 0.001% of my audience sees it on YouTube. I can get out a bag of dildos and be like, let's look at these kids, you know? And it's just like, and it's fine. Um, you know, and, and so it's like that kind of that dichotomy of like, I can actually educate, I can actually, you know, um, have the ability to say what I want to say and educate consensually. Like, I mean, that's the other thing is because the thing that I don't like about TikTok, and I'm always very careful about this, is that anybody of any age can be, uh, you know, on TikTok. And so it's like, I don't, I don't ever want to put, you know, a, a child in the position of being like, hey, what's kink, you know, like that kind of thing. And so I'm always very clear, but on YouTube, I can do the, you know, bag of dildos video, but I just, I, there's a button, you just click the button and you say 18 plus and, and it's safe and it's consensual and everybody is, is on board and, and, and knows what they're getting into. Um, and I think that's incredibly powerful as an educator because, that is so important to me. Like, I don't ever want to do harm in my advocating and educating for, you know, kink and BDSM safety. Um, and so having that as well is, a, is just, it's frustrating when, you know, I've got such a difference in size of audiences, but I just, you know, I just keep making the videos that I want to make and that's okay. Right. Now, I know YouTube recently has been having some issues with like age gating and things like that and like obviously your stuff is all 18 plus anyway um but have you had any issues with youtube as far as like the um arbitrary application of like certain guidelines and things like that because i know a lot of creators have i honestly haven't yet um i mean i've only done a few sex ed videos um and the ones that i have haven't been graphic um you know like and, I, and i'm always very careful when i'm making educational content to make it in an educational capacity like all of my diagrams are scientific you know all of my terminology is appropriate um and so i think that because i'm very careful to sort of tonally create the content to make it feel very educational and not salacious and not like oh we're gonna talk about kink like let's all giggle you know um because i just kind of do it very matter-of-factly i think that there is not the impetus to be like oh this is quote-unquote dirty or you know oh this is like naughty content it's like no i'm i was i was 90 of the time i'm just talking about consent you know um and so that yeah that's my answer to that <laughs> On that note, I know we're we're kind of harping at this point on like the negatives. <laughs> I know, I'm like I'm trying to. I just realized it's like we've been going on this for a minute. So, what has been just like a really quick like what's been your favorite part about integrating the Polly and King conversation into your online advocacy and education work? Honestly, I think just being able to authentically be myself, you know, and like. Just be like, yeah, you know, some people love more than one person and that's okay. And some people are kinky or very kinky uh, and that's okay. Um, 
and just kind of like I think I don't like this is a story for an ant. I keep doing like story answers, but like one of the things we that, love story time. <laughs> like one of the things that that we get the feedback. One of the oh my gosh, one of the most common pieces of feedback that we get on the podcast um, is that it's not about the content. It's not about the the topic of the episode. It's people will write in and say, "I've never heard anybody who talks like me." I've never heard anybody who organizes their thoughts like me. And it's so nice to just know that I'm not the only person who talks and thinks and, 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 and communicates this way. And so once we started getting those emails, we were very careful. Like we actually started editing less because we were like, well, you know, if that's what people are responding to, then like, yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's honor that. Let's, let's, let's value that. And that's kind of how I feel about integrating kink and poly content into my content is that I just get feedback of like oh I didn't know you could be normal and like kink and it's like like what does that even mean like we're all that you know like it's like we're not we don't just have... going to orgies every day yeah you know, you know what I mean <laughs> like, like well and also like for me like a like a big portion of my content lately has been talking about the fact that I am on the ace spectrum I'm a certified sex educator my special interest is neurodiversity and kink and BDSM. And like, I would 99% of the time rather have pizza than sex. And so illustrating to people that you can still be interested in sex, you can still be curious about sex, you can still be a sexual being and not necessarily, you know, experience sexual arousal and, and be interested in sex in, in the same way as a lot of other people. Um, that's been really powerful, because I just keep hearing over and over and over again, you, you know, from people like, hey, it's so cool to know that I'm not alone or, you know, it's so cool to know that I'm not broken or I'm, you know, like, and, and that is, it's really powerful. I think it's, it's really, it's not what I expected when I started this, but that has been, I think the most profound thing that has come of that is just knowing that just by existing authentically and honestly, I am, I'm modeling to other people that you can just kind of like live your own authentic life. And that's very cool to me. Yeah, I know for me personally, like, not to sound like the consummate fangirl here, but like, <laughs> I did very much like resonate with a lot of your videos. I mean, I've, I have ever since I started watching you. And, you know, I know, I, we talked about this in one of our episodes, so talking about Dragon Con is like, I, that was like my exact phrasing. When I was mentioning yours and Eric's podcast to Tyr, when I was introducing him to it, it was like, they talk like me. They sound like me. And then when you talk about being on the ACE spectrum, it made me realize like, I kind of am too. Like I'm a very sexual person. I am ACE, but I'm, I'm a, I work at a strip club. I'm a burlesque dancer. I am an OnlyFans content creator when I'm not slacking off for months. Um, I, I am so innately sexual everywhere, but I'm not part particularly sexually oriented here like i i enjoy sex i love sex love kink love having sex but like when i remember to you know and it so like hearing you talk about it in very similar terms it was just like oh there's not anything wrong with me so yeah like I, to yeah to your point like yes that's your Hi, hello. I'm. I get to say this <laughs> personally, but yeah, it's well, it's very. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, and I'll say too that like, A, I just love that we can actually say the phrase OnlyFans on our podcast yeah. and not have to come up with some fun little thing to like get it around the sensors when we're doing lives. Cause only yeah, yeah, only pans for you. We came up with then, lonely hams. Uh, we did a yams good. thing for a while. Like we had a whole lot of yams content. That was How fun. is your only pans website going anyway? It's, it's it's going pretty good. Uh, yeah. Buying mostlypants.com was yeah. one of the best things that I've ever done. Uh, I was I was very wine drunk. I'm not going to lie. I was so wine drunk. And I was like, ha, 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 this would be funny. And then it like literally changed the game. On I was going to say, do you like, still have the pans that you got sent? I do. I still have the pan that I got sent. Um, and so that's fun. Um, and what else? But yeah, no, it's it's great. And I really like having an OnlyFans um, because... Um, what's really interesting about my audience is that I have a very broad spectrum of genders who come to my content, which is something that I, I don't know, like I, I didn't expect it as much as it's happened. Um, and for a lot of people, they come to my content and I get comments, that, especially like, I really like your content because you have a body like mine and I've never seen anybody with a body like mine um, you know, be sexual or or be sexy. And so there's like this sort of like vibe where it's like, you know, my content is spicy on, on OnlyFans and only on OnlyFans, um, you know, but it's like, I do the spicy content, but then for a lot of people, it's also just about self-acceptance or, you know, like body positivity. And I never expected that. I never expected that to be like part of it, but it's honestly, it's made me feel better about myself. It's made me more confident in like, it doesn't matter what you look like. Like we all have a right to feel sexy and beautiful and spicy when we want to, you know? Um, and so, yeah, so it's, it's been really, I mean, it's going fine. It's, it is work all the time. Um, but it's been really nice just because it's like, okay, well, I have this place where I can make an income and I can I can finance my advocacy and my education. And in exchange, people get titty pictures. <laughs> yeah. I I had to explain to my therapist when I first started working with her about like, yes, I am a spicy content creator and I have been for years. And um, she was like, well, what do you get out of it? it? You know, you don't feel degraded or anything. And that's why I find it so funny when like, um, um, swerfs get involved. Cause like, I know this is not the case for everybody, obviously, but like for me personally, and it sounds like for you too, Kate, like it sex work and doing like spicy pictures and things like that has been so affirming for me because it is that body positivity it is that like oh no people think i'm attractive like <laughs> i'm aware that i'm conventionally attractive but there's the difference between like being aware of that on a cosmetic level and then being aware of it here yeah and <laughs> i didn't have that until i got into doing sex work and you know, people liked the fact that my boobs are lopsided or my nipples are translucent and, you know, <laughs> barely existed. Things like that. Like, I I didn't have that until I got into sex work. And so it's it's cool to hear that you that was been a similar experience for you. Yeah. 
Well, and one of the things that I've always found particularly fascinating and just really affirming about the entire experience of building an online social media platform of whatever you talk about is the diversity diverse community that gets built up around it, right? So even on ours, like we have such a wide range of people, you know, male, female, non-binary, and different sizes and different backgrounds coming in to our community and saying something similar, like we have an entire Spicy Pictures channel in the discord where everybody just kind of like photo dumps hey i'm feeling good today you know <laughs> affirm me you know kind of that thing and it's been really awesome yeah notice me senpai uh, it's <laughs> been really awesome to see people come in that generally they even say i don't share these pictures anywhere because i don't feel comfortable but it's nice to have other people other like-minded people say yes you are beautiful you are worthy not because of how you look but because of how you feel about yourself and so you know i've even had those moments too where i'm like i don't feel great about me and then you have other people that are like no no, no we'll validate you we got you until you can get back to validating yourself yeah <laughs> well we really appreciate you being here with us today kate this oh, is God. part one of our two-part interview with katiosaurus who is awesome but you know before we kind of lead out and then resume next week and next week's episode where can people find you online uh i oh you would think at this point i, I would actually have an actual <laughs> answer no it's great it's like i just always like leroy jenkins this part and i'm always just like <laughs> you think at some point i would have it memorized but uh i'm kate osborne i go by katiosaurus on all the corners of the internet I am on TikTok. I am on YouTube. I would love it if you went over to my YouTube because I'm trying to move off of TikTok. Um, I stream Monday, Wednesday, Friday on Twitch. Uh, I have an Instagram if you would like to see pictures of my dog. I have a Twitter if you would like to hear my asinine thoughts about Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and for my tour schedule, for links, for interviews, for contact information, you can visit katiosaurus.com. Wonderful, wonderful. See, I feel like you had that practice. You just I had was, to like reach down I just, for it. I just gotta like, I just gotta dig deep. That's what. <laughs> <laughs>